Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. This is Aurelien. I'm here with Glenn and Darcy, glennsutherland.com and darcywhite.ca. And today we will be discussing location, location, location. When we talk real estate, uh, typically uh, location is uh, one of the first things we discuss. Um, I'm happy to start. Um, so I think it's key to to uh, identify the right location to invest in. And what does it mean, the right location? The first book I read about real estate investing had this simple idea at its core. It's The book was Real Estate Investing in Canada by Don Campbell. And basically, you want to invest where there is job growth because job growth will trigger the real estate cycle. More demand will push rental prices up. So will the property prices, they will go up, NOI goes up, property prices go up. And then slowly, you know, uh, they will catch up, builders will catch up, start building more, more units. So there will be more inventory. Uh, so we go from recovery, phase one, phase two is expansion, phase three is a hyper supply. They build too much typically. And then phase four is a recession where prices go down because uh, there is an oversupply. So that's one of the keys I learned from before I did, I pulled the trigger on my first investment. That was one of the key ideas mm -hmm. and it served me well. And also, I think depending on the type demographics you are targeting, you want to be close to downtown transportation. When you underwrite um, a shopping center, you want to look at the vehicle count, you know, at least 30,000 vehicle per day is a good uh, uh, rule of thumb uh industrial properties you want to make sure they're close to highways because uh you know you want to transport whatever you build in your warehouse uh easily uh, easy access to highway main highways look at what which highways you know where where which metropolitan areas are connected through those highways uh as um and then for residential you know you want to look at walkability safety school systems what is the school rating and the amenities. Mm -hmm. Hey, so, just follow up. I love your macro view, um, but where do you think, like, where do you think we are in this cycle? This expansion, hyperinflation, or recession? Um, for listeners, because I, I, I think that'll be relevant to lots of people. Yeah. I think it's really market dependent, and uh, and the key indicator. I think it's. It's, it's not easy to identify where you are in the market, but typically uh, the indicators are vacancy rate uh, that will tell you if there is a hyper supply of, uh, if there is too much inventory. There's more inventory than demand, typically. Yeah, because yeah. right now we have, uh, if we're recording this in July, so listeners will be hearing this in sometime in August, but we have uh, increasing interest rates, but what we're seeing is there we're not seeing the Armageddon that a lot of real estate guys had said was happening with higher interest rates. In fact, listings in Canada this is a Canadian example, but listing listings are up, sales are up after a little dip, and people are still buying houses. They're just dealing and the with inflation is down now. So that's yeah. what CBC was reporting and CNBC. Um, anyway, they were all reporting in both Canada and the U.S. that the inflation is down. So it's, you know, it's starting to level in maybe I'm, I'm not an economist, but just from my hundred feet view level of reading some articles online, it looks like where, you know, it's maybe who knows, right. Um, there's still going to be a lot of pushback because um, this is not what we're planning on talking about at all, but mm -hmm. um, 
just because even if the market levels and we're starting to stop seeing inflation or interest inflation rates going down and we stop seeing the interest rates going up, it still doesn't mean we're out of this because no. there's all these mortgages that were five years fixed. And when those renew, there's going to be, they might have to sell, right? Um, if their, their mortgage payments are going to double, they, yeah. they might have to sell. There might be this, the fallout might not come for three or four years, right? From this. Yeah. The, the range I have on my mortgage is I've got some lows that are at 1.53 and 1.67. And I've got some that we're renewing on short-term deals now at close to six. So yeah. almost a, a, a four point spread between different projects, which is quite significant, but you also get, you know, we, we just almost should do another topic, a whole week on this. Totally. We shouldn't get in the weeds yeah, on this, but I'm just curious. I could go on to a, a rant about that too, right? And just... Totally. But your location could depend on those building cycles. You know, are they oversupply right now? Would you right. buy and where they're building a ton? I wouldn't. I'm not really. But under certain circumstances. Which, yeah. Sorry, Ari. I was curious. <laughs> then a good question. Yeah. I think uh, it's good if we interact. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not bad. It's just we could talk for hours. This is what we do when we're not recording. It bounces yeah. all over the place, guys. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead, so Glenn. When I was investing in in U.S. specifically, I honestly, off the start, I I believed, which is you know not completely true, but I believed that you could buy anywhere and flip a property. You could burr anywhere and someone would rent the property. Um, there is going to be rent comps. There is going to be um, you know, ARVs and everything for each of those neighborhoods. As long as you're playing within the right uh, you know, accurate numbers, you could honestly make it work anywhere, is, was my thought. Um, it's not wrong, but it, there is spots that will work much better for flipping there yeah. is spots that will work much better for burrowing. And sometimes you're trying to swim upstream in the mm -hmm. wrong market. Um, yeah. Certain subdivisions, especially in the States, their their lines are very firm and people want to, it's a rental neighborhood. That's, that's what it is, right? And if you're mm -hmm. trying to flip in that rental neighborhood, there isn't a buyer, right? Typically those rental neighborhoods are not the best school zones. Um, so people aren't necessarily, they're there, for the value they're there because they can afford it and it makes their life work right um whereas you know the more nicer neighborhoods where you can flip um people want to live there you it will be easier to sell the property it will be shorter days on market by just being in uh, a nicer area a nicer school zone right um and that's the other thing too like we are so accustomed in canada to a vacancy rate of like zero, right? Like we're expecting like these places to be completely full. And if your plan is to do burrs, uh, in or rentals or large multifamily in certain spots, you have to think about this, right? The vacancy rate is huge um, because some of these places don't have the same demand. Like there could be a 5% vacancy. That's just the industry norm for that city, yeah. right? And if you underwrite this wrong, especially you underwrite this wrong on a 200 unit building, you can really have your numbers wrong, right? Because, yeah. you know, certain areas have more turnover, certain unit sizes have more turnover, right? People typically want two bedrooms or more. Um, and people, especially in single family houses, they typically want three bedrooms, right? Um, mm -hmm. So just by doing this wrong, doing this in the wrong neighborhood, can you do it? 
Yes, you can. I have flipped properties in scary neighborhoods where when we showed up in at night, I was like, are we sure we want to tour this property? And the property manager's like, we're on the phone with her and she's meeting us there. She's like, oh, if you guys aren't comfortable, I got a trunk full of guns. I can just give everybody a gun. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, no, no way. And I'm like, and I, for, first I was like, that's crazy. And then I went, you know what? That'd be a crazy photo. Just the, all this, you know, oh. we're going on a property tour and everyone's got a gun, all these Canadians. Like, anyway, we didn't do that's, it. We didn't. <laughs> you can redo your logo, a Canadian investing in the U.S. with guns. Yeah. That's just, uh, <laughs> I buy that hat or the t-shirt. <laughs> but anyway, um, Darcy, maybe like, uh, maybe your opinions on apartments, right? Um, yeah. Can you buy these anywhere? I think it's going to be a lot the same of the the single family angle I was just talking about, where certain neighborhoods are going to be more rental neighborhoods. Yeah, you're totally right on. I brought some examples. I thought about location, location, location. That's what we titled this one. Um, and it's you know it's a familiar axiom in um, real estate that location matters. We all know that low bank lakefront is worth way more than Lakeview across the road or someplace in the subdivision. The location matters. Um, you know, that that matters with you're buying a personal home or a vacation home. But when you're talking about rental and business business ones, you're not lakefront unless you're, you know, in some strata, weirdly wealthy strata neighborhood. But we're talking about rental apartments and your location matters. So I took the three locations and thought, I've done all three of these and I'll put them in sort of order. Um, I've tried being the worst property in a really good neighborhood. And you think, hey, that's a, that's a plan for success. So we've actually bought uh, fallen properties in really nice neighborhoods and thought it would be much easier. It actually wasn't. Your neighbors hate you. They hate, they resent that you have a rental property in amongst their beautiful homes and they're not going to help you because what they really want is your building to burn down. So even if you improve it and you move it from a crack house, which is what we did, into a nice place where students and seniors and working people can live, they just resent having that property in your neighborhood. You'll get no help from them. They might be nice to you on occasion, but generally they complain all the time. And if anything bad happens in the neighborhood, you get it in the neck. And here's the thing. We have this neighbor in Saskatoon, lives beside us. She bought a condo and she complains bitterly about how she paid so much for this condo. But actually she paid a lot less for that condo because it's in a predominantly rental neighborhood. She bought the nicest place in a low neighborhood we bought the lowest rental in a nicer neighborhood because there's other what you want to do as, a, as an yeah <laughs> we've actually pulled down the price so she could afford that condo because of the neighborhood we've driven you know we because it's a rental neighborhood it's less desirable um the problem we've done this like with the bennett apartments in windsor we did this the harwood house in saskatoon um you can re restore the value of the building but you're still a rental in a predominantly purchasing neighborhood. And, you know, there's only so much upside that the neighborhood can drag you up. It's a nicer place to live, you know, but it, it is a harder goal than you might think. Um, it does work. Sometimes you can market. It's near the lake. It's near the river walk. It's near parks and amenities. It's not from this better schools or these kind of things. Um, it helps a bit, but it's not the multiplier that I thought it could be. And I was surprised at how much resentment there is from the neighborhood and pushback. Um, we've also done the created the best building in a terrible neighborhood. And that is even harder because you're never finished because the neighborhood affects your building. We might do our landscaping and fix it and your security and stuff, but you still have 
a struggle because the neighborhood has a speed control on it with respect to income. People that live in that neighborhood, you can check off their uh, tax returns or whatever, what the averages are there. But it's going to limit how much you can charge because generally people living in that neighborhood can't afford higher rent. So you can easily overbuild and find yourself struggling to rent suites or dragging people from other neighborhoods into this neighborhood, which is really hard work. Um, we've done this um, with limits, with, you know, with good effect, but still it wasn't as successful as we thought that we could change the whole neighborhood. It is really hard. If you only have one or two buildings in a particular neighborhood, you're really affected by the others. Um, you know, we've done this in the stadium district in Edmonton, uh, what we call triangle near around the Commonwealth Stadium. We've done it in some residential areas in um, in Windsor. Beautiful inside. Our exterior, we work on it's secured and we work hard and on, on all these things. But the buildings around us, they're not doing working as hard and they pull our value down, even though this is a really great property right next to this park and right beside this uh, transportation amenity. It is really hard. You're really pushing uphill, as Glenn said, um, and you're going to have a limited effect. There's going to be a limit on how well you can do there. Um, final one I thought is, I like this one better. And maybe it's just hard one advice. The third location is buy in where there's other competitors like you. Now you might think it's kind of crazy to put yourself right next door to Boardwalk or Timber Creek or Avenue Living or one of these other big players that have seemed to have unlimited funds. That's not true, but it seems like it. We've done it. Think about how car dealers go. When you go looking for a car, you end up driving into a Toyota dealership and across the street is Mitsubishi, Mazda, and Honda. It's really efficient. When someone's looking for a place to live, Go, they'll tend to go where there's lots of places to live. It's efficient. They're not stupid. And that means that relatively inexpensive advertising can be can work because you're piggybacking on the whole area's advertising and what's known in the community is that's a place to rent. So if you can do that, we've actually faced our advertising right towards boardwalks properties. Why not? Right? They're Why gonna not? There, they're People driving up there. Yeah. That looks nice too. Yeah, exactly. Interesting thought. Yeah, and here's the thing. They they have more money than us. They can spend more money. And we think we got a better property in most cases. I always say, I've used this many times, and maybe I've used it on these podcasts as well. When you're running from a bear, bears are actually very, very fast. I You know, I do a lot of backcountry hiking. Um, that old story, you don't have to be faster than the bear. And in this case, the bear is bad economic conditions or vacancy or whatever. You just have to be faster than the slowest runner in your group because they're going to get eaten by the bear, you won't. In this case, your project just has to be better than everyone around you. And that's actually quite achievable. There's just lots of things, whether it's on service, marketing, amenities, the quality of the suites, the quality of the composition of your, of your property, your landscaping, your flower baskets up front. Flower baskets are $20 a piece. And all they take is a tiny bit of care and water. And they last for four or five months. Nobody else does it. Um, so I like this approach because you're not trying to break new ground. Um, you have built-in comparables right next door. People want to compare, you know, Mitsubishi versus Honda. They can look too quickly right, right next door. And if you've got a better product, it should show immediately. Um, that if you don't have to rethink all your marketing, you know, if I were doing it over again, I wouldn't. Like, we got a lot of good deals by buying the worst property in a good neighborhood, by buying the worst property in a bad neighborhood and improving it. We actually did a lot of work. 
But what I found is my work never ended in those locations. You never got a break. It is just hard, hard work. Um, I think it's more efficient to take what the market gives you as far as rentals and build where they where you want it. Um, I would, you know, as Ari said, I'd be looking for neighborhood effects, neighborhoods that are going through gentrification, rezoning, upscaling, new amenities. So I like the stadium district in Edmonton near Commonwealth because they're brand, building brand new condos that are four times the cost or five times the cost just to build of what we're buying. The yeah. rents are almost double. So yeah, if you want to spend $2,100 a month on a two bedroom, there's one right next door. It has an elevator and five appliances or for three appliances and walk up, you can spend a thousand fifty. It's half the price. If you need washer and dryer for a thousand dollars more a month, knock yourself out. But if you can't afford washer and dryer and twenty one hundred dollar month rents for thousand fifty right here, you can live in a nice suite, well managed and clean. Um, I think that sells itself. Yeah. So usually it's you know often a matter of price. That's why I like it. Um, so location matters. These are just maybe three ideas I've played with this. You, know, you just mentioned the, the, the neighborhood improvements. Um, so yeah. anyway, I, ha I have a really quick story before we go, but I was just Thank in Cincinnati two weeks ago. And um, when I was walking through the neighborhood, I was like, I would talk to my property manager and I was like, Hey, Cincinnati is beautiful. Like this whole downtown is beautiful. It's all fixed up. It's everything else. And uh, they said, walk over two blocks. And I go, well, you don't know where I am. And I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I go, well, do I need to walk east or west? And they said, it doesn't matter. And this is one thing that the U.S. does that, at least I, as far as I know, Canada doesn't. But they pay um, for partial renovations. They give crap tax credits to people to repair certain areas. And what they did was created a whole opportunity zone right from the where the Cincinnati Reds play and the Cincinnati Bengals play all the way over to the new soccer stadium for the MLS. And they mm -hmm. just basically built this road or three roads that are really, really nice um, because people are going to walk and put bars and everything else on it. But they that's where they gave the grants and everything else. They didn't give them either way off of that road. So you, you can see what it used to look like five years ago. Um, and if you're pulling your comps, like we're talking locations, you're pulling your comps from uh, that those roads and you're not on those roads, even being in the same neighborhood, you might be making a huge mistake. Um, and mm -hmm. that was one thing, it was a real wake up call seeing it and just walking it. And I was like, it is completely different. It is scary. A couple roads over and it feels like you're in mm -hmm. a nice, lovely town right down the middle. <laughs> so anyway, I, yeah. I don't want to, I know we're a little over time. So. No, no. I think this is, can I add to this? Because you're sure. right on point. I think a lot of people drive to the property that they look at. They drive up with the realtor and you might be getting out of the car, like we said earlier and pulling out guns. But I hope not. But, nope, not no. <laughs> um, but there's a very different feel than when you drive the prop, drive the neighborhood and walk the neighborhood because you see totally differently. Uh, I'm a bike rider. It's a completely different experience on a bike from a car. You're insulated from it. When you walk it, you see a whole lot more because you're going a lot slower. You smell smells. You feel feels. You get a sense. Your whole body figures out what the neighborhood looks like. And I trust your body. I think it's a mistake not to walk your neighborhoods. If you ride by car, most of your tenants are walking. They're walking these neighborhoods. Their kids are walking back and forth to school. They're walking to the amenities. And they just know it better than you. And that you think shouldn't be the case. Um, so almost on every occasion, I've walked it before I've purchased it. Yeah, it's just, it changes you, you everything. see more. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, well, sure. yeah, thank you for your insights, guys, on, uh, you know, location, location, location. Uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, uh, it's always good to uh, transportation. Look at transportation, you know, is it yes. close to, uh, or if it's residential, you know, is it close to a subway station, if it has a subway or a bus stop or those, those elements can be helpful too. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody.